1: This is Our Changing World on RNZ National. And now, here's Debbie Hay from the University of Auckland to tell us about her work on migraines. Debbie's research area is pharmacology, and as well as being associated with the Morris-Wilkins Centre for Molecular Biodiscovery and the Centre for Brain Research – She currently holds a James Cook Fellowship. These are awarded by the Royal Society, Te Aparangi, to researchers who are leaders in their field. Debbie says that migraine is one of the most common neurological disorders, affecting up to 10% of men and 20% of women.
0: A headache, maybe that's something you have when you have a hangover. A migraine is not just a bad headache, it's far worse than that. It affects the whole physiology of a sufferer. So some people can have flashing lights, they can have effects on their ability to smell, they're sensitive to light, as well as a bad headache. These are things that take people out of action for days and they cannot be treated with simple painkillers. So what
1: causes them then?
0: I wish I knew. (laughs) Some people are clearly more susceptible than others. Genetics definitely plays a part. Women are three times more likely than men to suffer from migraine, so there's probably a hormonal factor. But because they exhibit differently in each person, it's very hard to pin down exactly how they're caused, what triggers them. It's different in each person. And we're not there at all with understanding the underlying mechanisms. So what are the kinds of things that we've thought might be triggering migraines? For some people, it can be a strong perfume that can trigger their migraine. Stress, very common trigger. Tiredness. For women, absolutely, it's cyclical. According to the time of the month, many women get migraines in association with that. But it's different for every person. And where are we at with the treatment of migraines? That's where it's really exciting at the moment. So we really are right on the edge of a new era in migraine treatment. We've got five international pharmaceutical companies fighting to win the race to be the first with a new migraine treatment. And we're hoping that as early as 2018, one of those might actually be approved for people to use.
1: So what kind of approaches are they taking? Are
0: they all taking the same approach or are they coming at it from different directions? They're coming at it from a core angle, which is they're trying to block the activity of a naturally occurring hormone that we all have called CGRP. But in people with migraine, they have a lot more of it. It seems to be more active. They seem to be sensitized to its effects. If you give a person who suffers from migraine when they're not having a migraine CGRP, it will trigger a migraine. But in a normal person, it will just give them a mild headache. So all of the drug companies are targeting this molecule called CGRP. They're all trying to block its effects. Some of the companies have developed antibodies which mop up this hormone in the bloodstream. Others have developed antibodies that target the so-called CGRP receptor, which is the cellular target for that hormone. And others have developed small molecule drugs that will block that site of action. All of the drugs are working nicely. They don't seem to have many side effects, so it looks extremely promising. But there are pros and cons of each, because the antibodies have to be injected, whereas the small molecule drug can be taken as a tablet. And different things are going to work better for different patients. The really key thing is that it looks like these drugs may prevent migraine in chronic migraine sufferers, and that is a real first because none of the existing drugs for migraine prevention were ever actually developed for migraine. The ones that people take were developed for epilepsy, blood pressure, or depression. And not surprisingly, they don't work very well at all in migraine. So this is really exciting time.
1: Now, where does your research come into this? You've been working with
0: migraines for a while? So I've worked on this molecule, CGRP, for. About 15 years now. Does it have a longer name as well? Oh, yes, it does. Calcitonin gene-related peptide. Thanks. (laughs) Should we just stick with CGRP? I think that would be a good idea. So CGRP, I've worked with that for a long time. And the way that I work on it is I try to understand how its cellular targets work, those receptors. So over the course of that time, I've discovered there are two of these. Um, They're likely to have different effects. One may cause migraine, one may not. One may have effects relating to side effects. And we're trying to understand all of the molecular mechanisms that relate to those particular receptors. So when you say receptors, there's more than one? There are two. Most people still don't believe that there are two. And this is a dogma that I am fighting all the time, that there is only one. That is not the case. And it does affect how we understand how the molecule works and how all the drugs work. It may, in time, help us decipher which ones are slightly better than another. And it may also help us understand whether there are side effects that we haven't yet seen. So detailing the mechanisms around how those two receptors work, which of those drugs block each of those two receptors, how well they do that, is really important. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you go about your work? So we understand things with cells in the lab... We understand things with real neurons. Uh, we understand things with human brain. So I work as part of the Centre for Brain Research at the University of Auckland. Of course, they have an- access to the fantastic Neurological Foundation of New Zealand, Douglas Brain Bank. Uh, so we work with post-mortem human brain tissue, trying to identify exactly where in the human brain each of these two receptors is found. And where have you got to with that? The human brain is rather large. It takes a long time to do this work. We've started in the brain stem, uh, which is a relatively small part of the brain, just in the back of the neck. And that's where a lot of the pain-sensing nerves are found. And so that's why it's important to start there in relation to migraine. But in turn, the neurons that are found in the brain stem, they send messages to higher parts of the brain. And that's where we want to go next with this, to discover which of those two receptors, or even both, is found in which parts of the human brain. So both of them are in the brainstem? They are. Both of them are in the human brainstem. And that's the discovery we reported uh, in 2015, and we're in the process of following that up now. So what's your feeling about the rest of the brain? What are you expecting to find? I'm actually expecting to find a lot of the second receptor that most people have ignored until this point in time, Uh, The reasons for that are very complex. (laughs) I don't know that I can explain that very well. But I think it's very likely that the brain will be highly enriched in that second receptor in the neurons, whereas the canonical receptor, as we call it, is probably found around blood vessels. And so they each are likely to have different functions. And these receptors are both very active in people who are susceptible to migraines? We don't know the answer to that question, The drugs that are being developed uh, probably act at both of them. They're not really specific enough for one or the other, we don't think, to be able to discern which of those is more important yet. So we have to develop more selective tools and different ways of unlocking those secrets. So you're obviously keeping a close eye, as much as you can, on these clinical trials of these drugs? Absolutely. I mean, it's really important to see what's happening with them. Uh, As I said, there's five of those drugs. Four of those are antibodies. Um, The results are being continually released at international migraine conferences. I was really fortunate to give the keynote address at the American Headache Society meeting last year and it was a real privilege to do that and meet all of the people in the different companies who are developing these drugs and they're now coming to us in New Zealand to help them ask and answer some key questions. And some of the clinical trials have been here? Yes so one of the pharmaceutical companies they ran some trials um, here in New Zealand so a clinical neurologist at the Auckland Hospital she was heavily involved in recruiting patients for that so I think it's fantastic that companies are coming to New Zealand we're doing really nice clinical trials here there's another drug called an oxytocin drug some of those clinical trials have also been conducted in New Zealand. What numbers of people are involved is this in the hundreds? No it's uh, usually actually quite low numbers Pharmaceutical companies often find it very difficult to enrol the right numbers of people into their clinical trials because they always have very stringent criteria to make sure the trial is successful. So if you have some other complication like high blood pressure, you're probably not going to be recruited into the trial. So although a lot of people want to be involved in clinical trials, the number of patients who actually enrol is very low. So, for example, for one of the current migraine drugs in trial that is recruiting at the moment, they have nearly 200 sites across the world to be able to recruit enough patients into those trials. And this seems crazy given how many people in the world, about 20% of women across the entire world, suffer from migraine. But actually recruiting people into trials is extremely challenging.
1: Ethnic academic scientists do you get involved with these trials? What's how? What's your relationship with these companies? So
0: I don't directly get involved in any of the clinical trials, because that is in relation to many people in the company and local clinical neurologists, for example. But what we do do, and what's really important as an academic scientist, is to ask some of the detailed questions around the mechanisms about how these drugs work. So often... The pharmaceutical companies will give us, academic scientists around the world, samples of these drugs. We can test them in all sorts of different ways that they are not able to do. So as an academic pharmacologist, I'm able to discover that a drug might have a different target or potentially, especially in this case, a new use. Because migraine is a form of pain, it's more complex than that. But the key question is, could these drugs be used for other forms of pain? Chronic pain is a major issue in New Zealand and many other countries. Chronic lower back pain, pain associated with cancer or arthritis. At the moment, the number of pain treatments we have for severe forms of pain is actually very limited. We have the opiate class of drug, and these can be addictive. They can have unfortunate side effects. And so actually in the whole area of pain, we need new drugs, and so uh, one of the members of my team, Dr Christopher Walker, he has a Health Research Council of New Zealand Hercus Fellowship. He's an early career researcher, and he's particularly interested in whether these CGRP-blocking drugs could be used for other forms of pain.
1: Do you think your work with the CGRP receptors might also suggest new possible new drugs
0: Yes, so uh, all of our work um, does open a lot of new opportunities. So with any drug that gets to market, that is the first. That's only the beginning. So if we look at the last migraine drugs that were a new class of medication that were approved, the triptan class, which is the major class that most people will know about, that's uh, the ones that people take uh, for their acute migraine therapy. People are still developing new ones nearly two decades later. So the first approvals on the market is by no means the end, but it's the beginning. It's where we can now go, yes, that mechanism works, we can refine it. We can develop a drug with better efficacy so it's more effective, maybe less side effects, safer, might be more long-acting. We might be able to tailor it for different subsets of migraine because I've mentioned migraine just as a single thing. In fact, there are many different subclasses of migraine and we might find that we can develop drugs for different forms of migraine. Another area of interest is cluster headache, also known as suicide headache. This is not very common, but as the name suggests, this is extraordinarily debilitating. This is actually more common in men than women, um, and there is really nothing to treat it. So there's a good chance that we could tailor these therapies more towards cluster headache as well.
1: That was Debbie Hay from the University of Auckland. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web rnz.co.nz slash our changing world. Matewa.